Mike, turn your games down. Hi, we're going to another movie episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Helberton, and who's in a really ugly Detroit with me tonight? First, a quick impression for you. Call, call, bang, fuck up, Ken. Hey, everybody, it's Kenneth Sanity. <laughs> I'm Joe Butler, and wow, this movie sure hits every edgelord spot that I'm in. <laughs> and I'm Bill Tucker from A Gamer Looks of 40, and I am really fired up, fired up to be on this podcast today. Uh, <laughs> that was good. And we are here to talk about a cult classic. I think that's, I think this movie is a cult classic, but it was a Patreon voted, so you guys chose us to watch this movie. The Crow, directed by Alex Proyas, and came out in 1994. Oh, boy. Never saw it. I I knew I never saw it, but the more I watched it, I really never saw any of it before. Wow. Well, you know, you've seen one 90s superhero movie. You've kind of seen all of them, and this kind of hits every single bingo mark that wasn't even on the bingo board. I have never wanted to reach through the microphone and slap you as hard as I do right now. <laughs> Speaking of slapping me, this also does a whole thing where I'm I'm the baby of the group, usually, and am now currently. I was born in 93, but this yeah. is like, y'all are a little bit older than me. You know, Bill has his gamer looks at 40, so I mean, obviously there's that. This this was like peak goth subculture, right? Like, oh, yeah. yeah, Donnie, Donnie Darko. I'm honestly surprised Spawn doesn't have a katana fight at the end of the movie. <laughs> Blade. I am so upset right now. <laughs> am I missing something? I feel like I'm missing something. I'm missing another goth movie. Edward Scissorhands. That's not an action oh, movie. That's just a weird ass movie. Yeah, but it's a goth movie all the same. Yes, okay, fair. <laughs> yes, if they sold it in Hot Topic, yes, I see, I understand. I see, I see, I see the aesthetic here you're going for, Joe. I see. Yeah. Ken, maybe, let me, maybe this will help you. I've seen this movie a couple of times, and I think I own it, actually. It's one of those, you know, I think I was dating somebody at the time. It was like, oh, we got to watch The Crow, and I probably went, oh, okay. Then I saw it, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, Ken, let me, let me, let me, I think I'm going to help you with this one. I really like this. I actually liked it a lot better this time than I did in previous viewings for some weird reason. And I've been trying to rack my brain today, trying to figure out why I like this so much. And I think I, I think I've hit upon a few things. I'm curious what your take is. I, I like this a lot more than I thought I was going to. I've liked this movie since I saw it in theaters. Of course you did. Well, as the resident goth. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Of course. <laughs> this movie celebrates its. 30th anniversary in May as my bones turn to dust and my skin turns to leather. <laughs> Great, good timing for someone that did not plan this whatsoever with that idea. So cool. Right. And like watching this movie again, it just, it, it feels like a nice warm leather glove that just fits. It's a good, just, it's a comfort movie for me. So do you also have a mask? And a red jewel and a bag of sand, too, to go with this movie for you? <laughs> no. Okay. No, but this is very much like right in the vein of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James O'Barr is a fan of Sandman. The James O'Barr wrote the comic, wrote and drew the comic book that the movie is based on. And comic book is pretty different, but still roughly the same. I didn't know this was originally a comic until we yes. just started watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I didn't know it was until I was Googling stuff when I put this Patreon poll together a month ago. So don't feel too bad. Another <laughs> accidental comic movie right up there with two guns. <laughs> uh, oh, and Ken, what is the plot of this movie? So the plot of this movie is Detroit. This is the most Detroit-ass movie that has ever Detroited, in my opinion. Yes. <sighs> Brandon Lee plays musician Eric Draven, who is resurrected from the dead to seek vengeance against the gang who murdered him and his fiance on the night before Halloween, Devil's Night. <laughs> but Ken, that's also like 90% of the plot for Spawn and every other 80s <laughs> superhero comic. Okay, look. <laughs> look. So what you do, Ken, is you get on a train, you go straight down to Missouri. I know he's somewhere in the Missouri, Kansas City area. You start you start looking for a guy with glasses. You really slap him. <laughs> start knocking on doors. Just knocking on doors. Get your little get your little telepathic crow crow friends to fly around for you. Second set of eyes. I'll just pull on my Deadpool mask and start streaming. Where's Joe? <laughs> It'll figure it out. The comic book came out in 1989. Spawn wishes it had that longevity. Spawn's like, still around, unfortunately. Yeah, Spawn is still around. It keeps going for some reason. <laughs> and I think you can say that Spawn probably took the Avenging Angel from books like this. Let's be honest. The Avenging Angel trope is something that has been around media for a long, long time. Like, The Crow was not the first one to do it. Obviously, it wasn't the last one to do it. We have a new Crow movie coming out this year. Which is also weird. To say. I did not know that. I had no idea that they were making a reboot in the series or making a movie again. Like, Jason, no idea. Jason Moma is The Crow. Nope. No, he no, was going to be dying. The Crow, then he backed out of it at one point. But back when he was going to do it was before he did Aquaman. Now it's Bill Skarsgård. Oh, okay. fuck me. Goddamn, uh, that's... Uh, Another gonna, skinny, creepy boy. Yeah, that that's going to awaken things back inside of me. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> He's a good actor. Be, I mean, so, like, this movie, like, I had I had no expectations. I was like, okay, I know people have talked about this. I don't understand how I've never seen it. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm not really a goth guy, except over the years I've realized that, yeah, that's there. Um, and I've, and, but I just somehow i never seen this. And I was watching this, I'm like, this movie is not bad. Don't have any idea what's going on at first, but the movie's not bad. Well, that's that's the fun thing, because it starts in the aftermath immediately after the murder. And the one thing that I really like that was added to the movie after test screenings is the voiceover. Oh, this is like one of the few times that the voiceover, I think, actually makes the movie better. Yeah, it, it does. Makes it feel more like somebody's reading you a fairy tale. Also, I was surprised how much cut content is in this movie reading all the stuff on IMBD because holy shit that they backpedal on a lot of choices and I'm glad they did. Yeah, they, they made some smart choices in the editing yeah. room in this one, for sure. They, can, they really... oh, can I say, that was, of all the films, film school things you've ever said on this podcast, I think that might be the most film schooliest, how this <laughs> that voiceover actually helps instead of hurts because I've sat through many many a, a lecture where the, where the professor pontificates how voiceover is lazy filmmaking and should never, ever be used. And so I don't know. And I, I kind of agree with you again. It's very good. But I just wanted to point that out because that, <laughs> that came in my brain. And it's 9 o'clock at night. It's been a day. <laughs> that perfect time to be watching the perfect time to be talking about The Crow and watching it. I have it on in the background. 
the the next hot take we're gonna hear is Ken said that the the transitioning in the Hulk movie was also really good too, or like a comic book. <laughs> All right, first off, go back and listen to the Creep Show episode if you haven't. I think comic book transitions are great, but not in the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> you talking about the Eric Bana one, aren't you? Yes. Okay. Yes. Never seen that either. Like I was very confused with this movie. Like when you when you see him rise from the grave, and all I can think of for some reason, Alter Beast came in my brain when I first saw this. I was like, Rise from your grave. But that's just me, unfortunately. But I was thinking like I was thinking he had some like satanic powers or something like that was what brought him back because when you see the apartment a little bit late, you know, throughout this movie, you see candles everywhere and things like that. So I was thinking, like, okay, was it gonna be something where that's why he came back from the dead. It wasn't until later on, like when I started watching YouTube, that I figured out, like, okay, the crow is the thing that has the powers. Oh, and the movie. Yeah. The mo- I didn't figure out until, like, the end of the movie that it was all had to do with the crow. The crow was the one that resurrected him because he's a vengeful, a vengeful spirit. All right. It's time for learning stuff with Ken Sanity. <laughs> so- Play that bumper, Mike. Let's go. There's got to be a bumper <laughs> in there somewhere. I do need to make music Learning stuff with Ken. Really need the best of music. so the crow and ravens for centuries have long been thought to be what are called psychopomps messengers of the realm of the dead and for a crow to be carrying a soul back to the world of living makes absolute perfect sense in folklore tradition so it's it's not off it's just not satanic it's just a little dark (laughs) there's nothing wrong with yeah no i I, that was my first impression was satanic but as I watched the movie and realized it was it wasn't that. That was just my first, and that's unfortunately my brain being stupid and seeing candles and seeing stuff like that and some of like the the way things are going on early in this. That's what went in my brain. And you know we we grow we learn. So that's but no, I, and I realized more what was going on because I think it's during some of the flashbacks you see people looking at like oh and it looked like they were looking at like satanic book stuff. I just thought that's what the movie was going for, but it's not. Yeah. Like one of the books that is referenced in this movie quite a bit is Paradise Lost by John Milton. A great book if you haven't read it, but it's a story of uh, Satan falling and, you know, like it's a story about Satan, but it's not satanic. Milton was actually very religious. So it's it's one of those weird things where, you know, you know, yeah, there there are elements of Satan involved, but it's more like a dark beauty Satan. Like, Satan and Milton is hot as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and like, when I was watching this movie, because of Bill and Ken, I was thinking about all the shots. Like, I really appreciate the filming in this movie, too. And that's... That's something that you guys have definitely changed about me. So I like to bring it up when it it does happen in movies. And this, this movie really is... That, I will say, is the one thing that probably dates this movie the most... Like, it's not badly shot. It's just 90 shot, and you can oh, tell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was fine. I, I I actually enjoyed the 90 shot, surprisingly. Like, that's the way it felt very 90s to me. It's kind of comforting. Like a it's, warm leather glove. I, this is, this, I think one of the things I really do like about this movie is that it is made so carefully because they had very little resources to make this. This is, a, this is an indie movie through and through. They did not have a, a huge budget for this. I don't, I don't remember exactly. What was we, oh, 23 million. Actually, that's more budget than I thought of it. All right, never mind. I, I, it didn't, it, uh, Miramax had to put in a lot of money after the fact. Like they had to pump, they, people kept pumping money into this movie <laughs> over and over and over again. Um, the story of this movie's creation is actually very interesting. And of course, I don't know if we should just take the time now to talk about the big 
story of the making of this movie, which is the death of the lead actor. Yeah, might as well. I mean, you kind of have to, unfortunately. It'd... I think might as well hit, hit on the death of Brandon Lee, who died during the production of this movie in a very bizarre, tragic way. But before I get into that, I just want to finish my thought and say that this is a very carefully made movie. And this is a movie made with a ton of love and care and craft. And I think that's why I really dug it, dug it this time around. It's silly. It's got some corny stuff. And it's it's cliche. And yes, it's full of 90s edgelord hot topic, hot topicness. <laughs> but but there is a beating heart in this movie that is not present in a lot of comic book movies of the day and since really. There is an underpinning of of care, if that makes any sense at all. I don't feel it like does. I'm making, but it, there's there's that and that really for me works way more than I think I did in the, my last viewing, which was probably a decade ago at this point. But Brandon Lee, the the star of this movie, was tragically killed on set through a which could only be called a freak accident. As the story goes, there is a scene uh, in in the movie business when they're doing close ups of guns. They'll often use real bullets with primer powder in them uh, to get the big bang effect. But there's no there's no gunpowder in the bullet, so the bullet doesn't go anywhere. It's just the primer bullet to do the big shot and the big bang, and then the bullet just moves two inches. That's what happened when they were shooting up close-ups. Uh, a week or th- a week or so later, they have the same gun, and they're going to use that same gun in the shootout scene and fill it with blanks. But the the person who was the the gun tech had left early that day so it was just a regular prop tech going through the guns and they did not do the customary check to make sure there was nothing in the weapon before they loaded with blanks and even though a blank has no bullets it's just a cartridge it is primer and powder with no actual thing to fire hence blank so you have a projectile in the barrel and a cap and a bullet full of powder put those two things together and you basically have a 44 Magnum slug going at you uh, when you do expect to be nothing. Yeah. And it caught him in the abdomen, and he he died. I, I don't I don't I don't think he even made it to the hospital. To be honest, he made it to I, the hospital. Then he died in the hospital. He died in the hospital. Okay. And and to talk about just a freak accident, it's it's incredibly tragic. And I think even if you don't know that this movie still works, but having that layer upon it, because Brendan Lee is exceptionally good in this, just be. Beyond his posthumous passing and beyond the passing and everything else, he's very, very good in this. I think it just adds another layer to what happened here. And uh, obviously, it's very tragic and super sad because this this was going to be his breakout role, I think. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it was um, he was not did not survive to see it released. So that's sad. I, I think is the biggest thing you can take away from this movie and watching it and seeing just how magnetic Brandon Lee is during the, this movie like he's done other movies but this one he's just amazing in he draws you in he's fun he's funny he's sad a lot more than you would expect from bruce lee's son but yeah. you know he was an accomplished martial artist and you can tell with the way he moves he was really good in this role like i've never seen him in any other movies i didn't even know he did like seven i think this is the seventh or eighth movie that he did like he had other stuff and i never seen anything with him in it i'm like this is like he did a really good job in this film yeah you should watch rapid fire that's a good one okay so, i think uh, uh oh, sorry go ahead joe uh you can go ahead real quick i was gonna say that just roger ebert uh, famously said that not only was this be- this brandon lee's best movie it was better than anything his father had ever done and i oh. think that speaks a lot that says a lot 
In terms of overall quality, probably, but mm, there are some I, days I'd be like, I don't know if I could put this up against Enter the Dragon or Game of I Death. I mean, listen, I, look, I mean, <laughs> take it for what you will. I mean, but yeah. One thing that I found that was interesting, and I actually was on the same page as Bill, but I, I was reading IMBD while I was watching the movie. Because like I said, I, I was skimming through it because I watched it earlier this week. He didn't die at the shootout scene. He got hit on the side on the scene with uh, where he's interrogating Funboy with the mom. Yeah. Yeah. And that actor actually refuses to act anymore. Refused. No, he took, a, he took a year off. Yeah, yeah he okay. took a year off. But he, he was still in things like Amazing Spider-Man 2 yeah. and it The fu- Blacklist. It fucked him up, though. But I oh, yeah. I think a lot of like that gun stuff, like watching it, watching that now. And I think a lot of like other stuff, too, because we actually had something similar that happened with uh, what's his face, right? Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Alec Baldwin. And it's kind yeah. of learning that how it's been like almost 30 years, which is also terrifying. To think about but uh 30 years and we still haven't fucking learned our lesson not to use real guns on movies well, just check them just make sure like i mean i don't own a gun i probably never will because i don't really like guns but my whole thing is like any time like i had a dream not that long ago where, like if you have a gun you just need to practice a few different you know safety things you just you check your fucking gun but here, here's the weird part being an actor you're not supposed to do that when you're handed a gun it's supposed to be a Eight already checked prop. Well, no, the, like, the people that are yeah. in charge of it should be checking it. Like, how do you not check the barrel? Yeah, that that's also the other issue too. Is that there's way too many people in between the gun going from like the back to like the actor's hands, and it's all kinds of just goofy media bullshit that I've never liked. And you know, and, and in the situation of this movie in particular, again, it's such a freak accident because so many things went wrong for this whole thing to go wrong. Yeah. The if this was a bigger budget movie, you know, if this was a Marvel movie, they when, when the when the, the gun tech had to go home early, they probably would have gotten the assistant gun tech or the assistant assistant gun tech or said, hey, let's just shoot this tomorrow. But when you're doing a movie on a shoestring budget and again, twenty three million dollars for an action movie is nothing even of that era. <laughs> even in that era, it's, that's still not a lot to do an action oriented, effect driven, you know, stunt driven movie. The they had to get it done and it was just a mistake from people and people make mistakes. And unfortunately, sometimes there's tragic consequences, but oof, that's yeah. I mean, it makes you think, right? Like how quickly something can go wrong. And I think that a lot of the reasons why people keep saying it's the last gun scene is because obviously the movie was like, what, 60, 70 percent done when he died. More and, than that. Yeah. A lot and, more than that. Like, and a lot done. Yeah, and well, a lot of people know that the movie wasn't done in general, and I think that's why a lot of people think it's that last gunfight that he dies in, because that's the last real big gunfight that they have. So people think that he died during there, but they they shoot movies out of order all the time. A lot of people don't understand that, especially back then. So a lot of it being the rumor that it happened during like the big last gunfight stuck through like a lot of rumors and stuff like that as well. People are just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not stupid there, Mike Alberton, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know. The internet. Well, no, like people actually like. I know there. I was watching the thing. They're like, "Oh yeah," and like, "Oh, his death scene is in the movies." Like, of course they didn't put it in a movie. Like, come on now, people. Yeah, like, no. that, you can't called... legally. You can't no. legally do that, and it becomes a snuff film. Yes, <laughs> it is illegal to release a movie that has a real person dying in it. Like most of the film, most of the scenes, like in the beginning when Eric comes out of the grave, those are the ones that they had to shoot yet. So like the beginning of the movie and the like the scenes after he comes back in the apartment, that's all they had left to shoot. Mm-hmm. So like 
when Sarah comes in and sees him, uh, when he's walking towards the window with the crow on his shoulder with the cure playing, most gothy thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. that is all his stunt double with the face digitally composited over it. And his stunt double was a gentleman by the name of Chad Stahelski, who would go on to direct things like John Wick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. I didn't. Oh, wow. Okay. So oh. like there's, there's pedigree on this yeah, movie. Pedigree. <laughs> okay. Okay. I didn't know that one. There's a lot yeah. more to the movie than I expected. Like when I, I was watching a lot of behind the scenes stuff after we did this episode, just so I could get more knowledgeable. And I, I was really surprised how much there is to this movie. I'm still a little upset that the skull cowboy stuff got cut, but that's only because I like the comic book. Oh, <laughs> I, I was going to say, I read all the cowboy cow, skull cowboy stuff. It sounds fucking stupid. But then again, it, it wouldn't work for the movie. Comic-wise, it's probably pretty badass. Right. Like, I think the movie works better for it, honestly. I do. Uh, I, mean, I really like this revenge story without idea. It. I really appreciate, like, how they just throw in all, like, this 90s. Is this grunge music, or what would this be considered? Just whatever the hell. I just really enjoyed the music that just fit this terrible, ugly-looking Detroit. Okay. Industrial. So. Yes. <laughs> Please, let's go. Yes, there's a lot, of, a lot of goth, a lot of industrial on here. It music fun times with Ken real quick. <laughs> um, Hit that bumper, Mike. Let's go. Come on. Do some work for Christ's sake, please. At, uh, at my job, we do something called music league where we submit songs and have everybody, you know, make a playlist and people vote on the theme. Well, this past week, the theme was best emo slash goth playlist. So I worked with 13 other people to submit the entirety of the Crow soundtrack for that playlist. I love this so much. I love this so much. Like, this soundtrack is always in my car. It's always downloaded on my phone. This is the music that I I go nuts to. Like, I've gotten to go to, like, industrial festivals in Chicago. And, you know, I watching a band play, I look over and there's the bass player from my life with the thrill kill cult who is in the, uh, in the movie. Like this is, this is very much my world. <laughs> These are my people. <laughs> I can see I, that. I was never a huge fan of industrial in this era. I liked some of it. I was a big nine Nails fan. and um, still am with like, like a lot of nine Nails. And it's amazing. When I listen to this now, like half of it just sounds like nine inch nails. I'm not sure who co-opted who, and I, so I don't have, I'm not really studied on the genre, but boy, oh boy, did this get me down a rabbit hole of industrial music <laughs> today and, <laughs> and today as I was just doing things around the house and driving places, boy, oh boy, that whole soundtrack got listened to, of course, had a little at the M on and I went to a little mm. couple other things. <laughs> it was, well, juke, juke, was it juke, juke joint Jezebel or jukebox Jezebel? Yep. Juke joint Jezebel. By yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my wife, fun story about that. She when she was working in uh, when she was in FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City, when she where she went to school, got two majors in the fashion world. She was directing a, a runway show and she had her people come out to Jukebox Jezebel. Ooh. Yeah, that was because because everything she was she had done for that show was um, very kind of industrial, and that's what they all came out to. Nice. Yeah, fun little Fun little tidbit. <laughs> well, you do get some Nine Inch Nails in this movie. You do. It's very good. Yeah. Okay. I didn't recognize a, any of the music, but I liked it. Yep. I, uh, Nine Inch Nails did uh, "Dead Souls" for the soundtrack, which is a cover of a Joy Division song. 
So it doesn't get much more gothy and depressing than Joy Division. I was a baby when this movie came out, so you might might be wondering how I knew about this. So I have an older cousin, probably about Ken's age, who basically at one point when I was five went, hey, sit down and watch this shit. And it's this, (laughs) it's this, and the Lost Boys, and fucking resident evil and i asked myself that's why i'm like this because i like shadow the hedgehog now all this other stuff <laughs> oh that's great oh i mean i i didn't think a revenge story would really kind of get me but this movie i was entertained the entire movie like just the way they did it and how how everything goes like you 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 really hate the thugs that killed him and his and his fiance. so when he does come back from the grave like you you are rooting for him 100 percent. oh they make those people just shitheads and you know it's not just a revenge film, you know, I've heard you say that a couple of times. And yes, there is an element to revenge. I know. But at the end of the day, this is a romance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. it really is. This. OK, you know what? It's it's bad language. I'm not a fan of calling these type of movies what I'm about to say. But this is the ultimate chick flick for guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. Not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I can see yeah, that for sure. I can too. Because this is just, it's all about this dude that loved his wife so much that he's not going to stop at anything to punish the people who killed her. And and he, he looks knows. cute too. My, Mike knows about it. I'm sure Bill knows about it. And I think Ken's complained about it. It's so nice to watch a superhero movie and have them do superhero stuff and not have a fucking reference every five minutes, Madam Webb. God damn you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, you, you know, before you watch it, you didn't even know it's a comic book movie. So it kind of, it fit. I mean, like, you know, this is also such a not known comic book. Like, I've known of this movie for years, never knew it was a comic book until a month ago, you know. So it's just, you know, I have when it's not something from the big two. We're going to get you down to an industrial music festival, Mike. We'll get you to embrace <laughs> your goth yet. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's getting there, making me read Sandman, and I'm starting to read like, hmm. <laughs> Hey, when I was in high school, I had long hair, but I didn't wear black all the time because goth wasn't cool in 2006 in, in, Milwaukee, in Milwaukee. So that's not where I went to school. That's a whole Goth story. is always cool. <laughs> not, not where I went to high school in Milwaukee. These, so a, a, a goth outfit would not have matched my, my checkered vans and my pork pie hat as a ska kid. <laughs> that, that, would not, that was not my aesthetic. But I did Fair appreciate the, the music and stuff. I, I was a gamer. Time. Still, I'm a gamer. So, yeah. I 100% believe Bill was a Scott kid. That's fucking awesome. Oh, totally. <laughs> to- oh, are you kidding me? My first my first podcast was called The Skank and Hepcat Show. Back in 2005, I played ska music because that was my college radio show in college. And I just extended to a podcast back when there was like, I don't know, 300 podcasts on Apple. I've been doing this a long damn time, y'all. <laughs> and I, I am very 300 nowadays. Oh, but hey. I, I, I am old when I was back in my day, when I started podcasting, <laughs> it was like it was like Doctor, it was like Adam Carolla's show and Joe Rogan and oh and Ricky Gervais. Those are like the three big podcasts that anyone knew about. I used to promote my show on MySpace. <laughs> right? Oh yeah, no, I I am I am a a withered husk. <laughs> I'm a human, and I'm I'm proud to be it. I don't care. Well, Look, I mean, I'm the oldest person on this podcast right now. But Jesus Christ, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are right, though, about the love story. Like it, And it does a good job of showing you flashbacks. Like, I didn't put two and two together until YouTube told me. Like, cause throughout the movie, you see Eric, the, the crow, pick up people 
or touch like he touches a cat and he relives their memory. He sees what they saw, and that's why he kind of tells like the event of what happened to him and his fiance. And like I did not pick up on that. I was also wondering when I see that when I saw the cat for the first time, I was like, who the hell's feeding this cat that's in this abandoned building that has a hole in the wall? Like, who's feeding him? That's what went through my head. So one of those things that (laughs) they apparently wanted to do for the movie is they wanted to have it in black and white, but they wanted the flashbacks to be in color. And they're like, no, the what is it? The Paramount didn't want to pay for it. And the Miramax didn't want to pay for it. But, you know, damn well, if this movie came out today, there'd totally be a black and white version coming out of it. Well, the fun thing is we'll be able to find out in about mm, four months. As of this recording. Yeah. Yeah. The new one comes out in June. So, oh shit, oh, really? Cool. Yeah. If it does well, I could see them doing a black and white cut and releasing on Blu-ray or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but also that wasn't a thing at the time. Like you, you know, if you're gonna have a different cut, you're gonna have a whole another VHS tape on your shelf, not just we'll put it as a special feature in the D- in the Blu-ray. So, well, like you can't just make a movie black and white and have it hit the same. If you want the movie to be black and white, you got to shoot it differently. And Sin City proved this really well. <laughs> like I'm talking about the first one. Yeah, that's. No, he's still he he. You, you've never heard that episode, Ken? Oh boy! Uh, no, I didn't. Probably because I didn't want to hear you shit talking a movie I like. But <laughs> you will hear that. Yes, it's, you hear a lot of that. It's it's me. It's me cautiously defending a movie I kind of like. I loved when it came out. And actually, it was funny as I was thinking as I was watching this. I was thinking. Mike, that was during our MCU series, and yep. Mike wanted us all to pick non-MCU comic book movies, and that's the one I picked. Like, Sin City would be a good one to pick, because that is almost an anti-comic book movie that is exactly like the comic. And uh, I, I had a funny feeling, Mike, and uh, another Mike would, would not be a fan, but boy, did I not realize how little fans they were, how much they absolutely <laughs> loathed the entire experience. I think <laughs> so we yeah, need Don't listen to that episode, Ken, if you don't want to hear me bitch about it for two hours. I- I think we need to recover that. Sure, I've never, why not? I have never seen Sin City and all those Even other movies, way. and I still haven't watched The Watchmen yet. I haven't either, by the way. <laughs> I've never seen Watchmen, but I've seen Sin City probably 30, 40 times in my life. <laughs> it was one of those movies I was really, really into. I could never out. watch. I don't want to watch Sin City again. I could. I'm again. The Crow, like, it didn't have any of that for me. It didn't bother me. Like, I mean, this movie's not too brutal, but there's a few good, there's a few good murder scenes, and and just what he does to people. And like, I, I could see myself watching this movie again and again, every so often now that I finally discovered it in 2024. Oh, we should talk about the gang that he kills. Jesus. So what a great bunch of actors. Yes. The Tim first Tim, murder the first guy. Yep. Tin tin played by Lawrence Mason. A lot of people will look at him and be like, Oh, that's, you you know him from two places if you're from the 90s. He's either <laughs> Tintin from The Crow or Lord Nikon from Hackers. Ever seen That's okay. That's that's where all right. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I didn't bother looking it up. But I'm like, where God's name do I know this person? Is this killing me? Yep. Thank you. Hackers. That would like, be a fun one to do on this show. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> but like he's he's the knife guy. And he is just he's a big just he's a nasty piece of shit and he's having you can tell he's just having a blast everyone's having a good time in this movie and everyone's putting mm-hmm. in good work like even we, we, we i don't know if we're gonna go beat by beat or if we're just gonna talk no, about we're it not in general. This point. that's fine <laughs> we what i love about it everyone's doing good work while yeah. still having a great time and I, I just really appreciate that about about this movie then you got michael massey as fun boy and 
like I had never really known Michael Massey before this movie, but after this movie, he does a lot of things that I like. Like he was in seven and lost highway and the aforementioned blacklist. And apparently in both of the amazing Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield. Okay. Yeah. He was maybe going to be, uh, the green goblin or who knows. Uh, he was on fringe. He was on CSI. Like he's done a lot of stuff after the crow, but unfortunately he did pass away in 2016 and he had never watched this movie because of what happened. Wow. Just no. fair. It is. But at the same time, he did really good work in it. Like really, really good. And I don't want him to be remembered in history as that his only thing. Like he was amazing in this movie. He's done great work everywhere else he's been in. And, you know, big props to you, Michael Massey, if you're listening out there in some afterlife. He's on the hotline. Yep. Then you got uh, Angel David playing Skank, who I just, I hated as a character. Yeah, you're supposed to, though. No, like, I was annoyed by him. (laughs) And then I think one of the best, like, just the low gang members was David Patrick Kelly as T-Bird. I love the way he kills him. (laughs) Oh, he's done so much great things. Like he was in, he's been in a lot of things also. Like he was in Succession, Flags of Our Fathers, Twin Peaks, Last Man Standing. He's been in a lot of things. He was in John Wick 2, which is fun. Also in Blacklist. Hmm, That's fun. But he's done a lot of things and he's just really gross here. But you get the, you get the feeling that, some of the people may have enjoyed murdering Eric and Shelley more than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't sure. think T-Bird was one of them. T-Bird was just there for business. Fun boy had fun. I mean, fun, he does. Fun, fun boy, yeah. Yeah. And just the way that he kills them all. Like, Tim Tim, Tim is killed with knives. T-Bird is strapped to a car and blown up as the car goes off a pier. Oh, so <laughs> I love good. it. And again, just to kind of talk about, again, how, how good the act is. There's a lot of really good work here. That moment when 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 T Bird is is getting sh- duct taped to the seat of his vehicle, <laughs> about to be it just for good measure, a grenade in his crotch to uh, send him into the everlasting ever after. He's that him saying him going over and over again, and I think the line is like, "You can't come back. You can't come back." Mm-hmm. That is some really good acting. That's a really great acting moment because he looks genuinely terrified. This yeah. character who's unflappable and evil and and crazy and all the rest of it. Having this moment of his brain rebelling against the idea that this person they murdered a year ago is now back from the dead and just not being able to compute that because that's not supposed to happen. It, I thought I really touched me. I was like, wow, that this is actually really and I'm actually really feeling for this maniac now <laughs> who, who I'm not supposed to be feeling for, obviously. But it's uh, yeah, just some really good work. And yeah, it's one of those examples of of really good actors doing excellent work and having a lot of fun while doing it. Yeah, that line, that entire line, he's just the delivery. He's just like, I knew I knew you, but you ain't you. You can't be you. We (laughs) put you through the window. There ain't no coming back. This is the really real world. There ain't no coming back. And he just keeps saying that he's you can see him losing his mind as he realizes. I was surprised how much I liked it. I was surprised how well done a lot of the acting is in this movie. And And then then you got uh, the boss. Oh, the boss. Oh, I was I was going to say, uh, and then uh, Brandon Lee sets a symbol on fire that looks oh. like the crow. And it oh, also, so yeah, they use that <laughs> later for the Daredevil movie. Yep. 
But the crow did it first and did it better. And yes, in case you were wondering, if you use the right lighter fluid, you absolutely can do an outline of the crow and light it on fire with a Zippo. Yeah, but don't ask how I know. I was just going to say, I mean, statute limitations perhaps that has expired. Maybe we can dive into that a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I do not. I did not know that. The difference between this and Daredevil, though, is that he immediately does it as opposed to Daredevil. Ben Affleck's character leaves it there overnight. And then the cop, not the cop, the detective or story, the reporter, the reporter magically knows it's there and it shouldn't combust on fire after like eight hours of nighttime. I thought you were going to no. say one of these is a good movie and one of them isn't. So, well, that's yeah, that, that too. That's okay. I like Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good movie. I don't remember how I felt about when we watched it for the show. I honestly don't. I don't either. Opinion. <laughs> I don't think it was good. Tell you something about it. Yeah, it was forgettable. Which this movie isn't actually like. No. And I was surprised. You know, like the way just a lot of the things in this movie surprised me, but how entertained I was, and like you know the the way that they do all the flashbacks as he as he goes up to the people that you know, killed him and he relives, you know, he sees their memories and everything like that. Like, it's just so well done. And like, he saves Darla, the, the girl's mother that you see throughout this movie when he like sucks the, what it was supposed to be. I'm assuming heroin out of her. Morphine. morphine. I say morphine, morphine. but I'm like, heroin. morphine. Morphine is bad for you. I guess morphine is heroin too. So yeah, but you know, and like, it's just interesting. Like, you know, and he, and he changes her life and you see the effect of it later on when she, you know, that, she's actually being a mother later on to this girl. And then like, I didn't put two and two together until later that this whole movie is all about the fact that they were just, they were going to kill Shelly because Shelly was trying to write up a complaint about a building, something to do with like crime Lords and taking over a tenant eviction. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it was, <laughs> this movie is goth Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, it really is. That's really because good. At the end of the day, this is all about real estate. Just like Robocop. <laughs> I should watch Robocop again. You know, I haven't seen Robocop in a very long time. I'm okay with that. I, I watch Robocop at least once a year because <laughs> it, it, because it's perfect. And I, and I need, I like to watch perfection sometimes. I've only seen it once. Oh, that's why we should all be watching the crowd more often then. Because uh, when he, when he does that to Darla, I thought he was going to kill Darla or do something and then not just drain the drugs out of her and make her, you know, be able to get out of it, get away from that. Like, I thought that was a cool thing. So. And you have the pawn store guy where he's like, you have all these rings there from people that were, you know, victims. And he thought, oh, I love when he lights that place on fire. He's like, you smell gasoline. <laughs> I love that scene. There's also, Ken probably knows more than what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a lot of cut content from the movie. And it had to do with like a character called like the Skull Cowboy. And mm-hmm. so he's only supposed to take revenge on people he needs to take revenge on. And that's why after, I always kind of like noticing whenever stuff gets cut but they have to keep it in the movie because it wouldn't make sense to refilm everything so whenever he heals the mom she ends up cutting him up on the wrist and the back and that's why he's got his like midsection and his arms are wrapped in duct tape like black duct tape oh i was wondering about that yeah but they they said it it cut too much trying to explain it and it didn't feel right and it, it made the movie flow in a weird way because that was also supposed to explain as to why he was weak during the whole final fight because what was it? Top Dollar he finished didn't actually what he... kill it. Yeah, Top Dollar didn't actually kill his his girlfriend wife, but they that but then they had that last scene where he's like, oh yeah, the guys went over there on my orders, and now I feel bad, and that's why he's able to kill him at the end of the movie is because he regains his strength from it still being a revenge thing. Okay, okay, 
Yep. I thought it had to do because I know they shoot the crow near that point too. I thought it had a little bit to do with that that the crow was injured, so that took away some of his powers too. That is what they left in the movie so that it, everything would make sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which it works. It's well, fine. It's great. I liked it. I did too. Now uh, I like how he's about to after he kills T Bird. I think or no, kills the other guy Skink, and he's about to give away his powers. You know, he, he go. You see him go back to the gravestone. You see him, and then all of a sudden he hears the girl needs help, and then the movie continues. And man, Tony Todd is one of those actors that I can recognize him immediately from that voice. As soon as I heard the voice, I'm like, yeah, Tony Todd. <laughs> yeah, it just, he looks so strange with facial hair. <laughs> well, I'm used to Klingon Tony Todd, so. Yeah, see, I'm used to Candyman and, you know, Bloodworth from the Final fa- Final Destination movies and no facial hair. Like, it's it's so weird to me to see it, but you're right. <laughs> Because the one of the first lines that he has in here is just the word boom. And <laughs> no, you're like, oh, shit, that's Candyman. Because at, at one point he was talking. My wife was watching her phone because she was bored with this movie. And I'm like, don't you recognize that voice? She's like, who? And I'm like, Tony Todd. I'm like, you met him. <laughs> and then our buddy, our pal. <laughs> he was actually really nice to her. She did meet him, too. She got a picture. A longtime friend of the show, Tony Todd. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't meet him, unfortunately. When she went and met him and got her picture taken with him, I was going to go meet David Yost, the Blue Ranger. So I did not meet Tony uh, Todd. Priorities, priorities. Well, considering I stood in line for two hours for Ashley Eckstein for the voice of Ahsoka, I didn't have time. <laughs> I want to talk about Michael Wincott and Byling in this movie. Is that Top Dollar? Top Dollar and his sister. <laughs> yeah, that was a little like, strange. why? Well, it's just weird. Her name is Micah, like the stone. And like, they're just, they're both just creepy. They're not part of she's sleeping with them. So, you know, like that top dollar is not like that in the comic book. Top dollar is literally just a member of T-Bird's gang and he's the first to die. So giving them a big boss, I like it. And I like that it's Michael Wincott because he was so great as the guy of Gisborne in the Disney Three Musketeers movie. Wait, was it? No. I don't know. Your guy of Gisborne was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, he's he's been, he was Roquefort in The Three Musketeers. He was also in uh, Nope, Ghost in the Shell. Like, he's done a ton oh. of things. He was the voice for Death in Darksiders 2. <laughs> like, wow. we like video games. Decent game. It loves yeah. the rule of three, though. Have you ever thought a game when... Would love the rule three more. You haven't played Darksiders 2 yet. I Ooh. love Darksiders 2. It loves the number three. Woo. But he's he's just he's a good solid dude with a creepy voice. And he's just he's great in this role. I love his outfits. Like he looks like a very dramatic pirate, and I am f- with that. It's such a good look. And Byling is creepy. Yeah. I, I kind of took her as like a witch type character. Yeah. Because, like, the first time you see her, they're doing drugs and they have an eyeball in a dish for some reason. Yep. Like, you also, I mean, it was, I was, I would have been okay with it if they just would have, you know, not had the incense. <laughs> you know, not have them sleeping together. It would have been all right. I liked him. He really reminded me of somebody, like a, like a villain that would have been in Highland, in the Highlander TV show. That's, That's what he fair. felt like to me. 100% fair. I mean, well, again, he had katanas. So I'm like, yeah, I was just yeah. waiting for. Who wants to live forever? You know, playing the background when they're fighting on the roof. That's all needed. <sighs> or, God, that fucking song, uh, Princess of the Universe. Whew, I will never get tired of that song. And not because of 
I never heard it until Highlander. So great damn song. Yes. Great damn opening got, to the Highlander also. We haven't talked about the MVP of this movie yet. Ernie Hudson? Winston Zedmore. Yep. Ernie course, Hudson. I mean, yeah. So yeah, good. I met that man once. He holds this movie together. He is the grounding force in this movie. Like, he's just, he's a cop just doing his job. He hasn't given up on this case. Like, he knows it's still out there and he still feels bad about it. He's haunted by it. And then he literally becomes haunted by it as Eric turns <laughs> to him for assistance. And uh, he's just, he's great. He, I mean, I had I had never, I only knew he was in this movie because when I, one time, I met him once in my life. Uh, he came to where I was working at and he had us printing something like his call, not a, not a sheet for, like you would have like prices and stuff. We were doing that for him. And it's like, oh, he was in the crow. And I'm like, he's in the crow. I'm like, I don't know what the hell this is. So that's the only reason I knew he was in the crow. Otherwise, I would have been shocked when I saw him in this movie. I was just pleasantly surprised. I forgot he was in this movie. And I was like, oh, this is great. He does hold it together. So nice. And besides the first scene with him being in the building, the next scene you see with him is when he's with the girl at the hot dog stand. And and he's like, you want anything to eat? She's like, you buy? And he's like, yep. I'm okay. I'll have a hot dog. (laughs) Like, I liked it. I don't know. It's just cute to me. He's got that fatherly vibe. Like yeah. he was there <laughs> when he knew that Shelly took care of Sarah and like, he's kind of, it seems like he's almost filled that role a little bit. Now that Shelly and Eric are gone, like he's kind of looking out for, they're still friendly. They still talk a year later. Like that That's kind of precious. Yeah. And it was, it was cool to see like a cop being, you know, nice to the people that he's supposed to be you know protecting. <laughs> like it was just, I mean, you don't see, you wouldn't see that in a movie in current day as much. Like, you know, it's kind of cool to see that in the 90s. Yeah. Now that it doesn't happen, I mean, I mean, I've been pulled over a couple times and the cops are irritating, pissing me off because it was like, your tabs aren't renewed. Like, yes, they are. They didn't send me the stickers. And I was very upset <laughs> when I got yelled at for when I told them, like, yes, they're renewed. I paid the money. Like, I just don't have the stickers. I'm waiting. And I got yelled at. And just weren't friendly cops. <laughs> but I, I just liked that. I, I, I liked everything with him. He. He does a good job of holding this movie together. Like, you are right, because he's, like, the sane person of, of the movie. You have Top Dollar, who's fucking insane. You know, all the thugs. And then you have Ernie Ernie Hudson's his character is, like, you know, just trying to work in this world of craziness and do his job. And Ernie Hudson's character, Albrecht, is a mixture of two characters from the comic, actually. Officer Albrecht was, you know, just a white beat cop. And then there was the, a black police captain with the last name Hook who hated being called Captain Hook. (laughs) (laughs) And both of those characters kind of became this Albrecht, which is good. Like, both of those characters do stuff that is important to have happen in the movie, but having two characters would have just gummed everything up way too much. Yeah, it it works out the way they did it. Yeah, even the kid in here, uh, Rochelle Davis, who plays Sarah, normally I hate kids in movies. (laughs) Like there is no, I just always hated kids in movies, especially 90s movies. Yeah. Like the precocious youth just bothers me, but (laughs) I like her in this a lot. Yeah, she's great in this. I like, she's just a, like just a badass punk kind of like, that's all I took. I I liked her. She's just somebody who's had to live with a druggie for a mom. Yeah. Who like partially lives in a bar and who's on her own in the streets of Detroit. So she had to, she had to become a little hard. Yeah, and especially this it, Detroit, it worked. It worked out well. I also got to say the scenery of the roofs when it shows the city was surprisingly really good, and it really captured like this dark atmosphere. Oh, uh, I 
was surprised how much I'm like when you don't hmm? spend money on CG. Oh. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I'm like, I thought it was good. Yeah. Like, it's great. Like, more people should do practical things. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. I, <laughs> I could sit here and talk about how practical effects are the best thing that ever happened. They are. How CGI is the dumbest thing in the world. But. I mean, no. hey, there's CGI in this movie, kind of, where they put, after um, Brandon Lee passed away, when they put his face on on the stunt double. Yeah, and there's some other CGI that's not hard to find if you're looking for it. <laughs> I yeah. Didn't of it. Very charming. You didn't notice the thing, Joe? All of it was just melded seamlessly for you? Yeah. The only thing that was really, like, jarring was the, the scene with his hand. That's pretty much it. Oh, <laughs> Oh, my oh I was being completely sarcastic, actually. You know, I was, I, I, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm being serious. I didn't notice any of the CGI in most of the movie. That's cool. I didn't either. Yeah. I didn't only know the face thing because the YouTube told me. I didn't know that. I you know, it's funny. It. I keep I keep looking for it. I, I'd never noticed it either. It's, it's very well done. I, I never, I never, uh, I never triggers for me. Which is great. It's there, but you don't notice it. You know, like it should be used. Yes. As a, as a tool, as a tool, not a crutch. Hey, remember Blade 2 when he does all those flips in front of the lights? Never noticed that CGI either. Don't, mm -mm. Uh, <sighs> I know that's a few years later, but woo. woo. Uh, they... uh, but no, yeah, I didn't catch anything. I mean, the movie looked very practical and it looked real, you know, besides the stuff where his hand healed, but that's fine. Like that, that was, yeah, it's to me, it looked cool. It's, it's neat. Uh, it's of the I, era I, and that's fine. One thing that amused me when the at one point when you have that get, this is a small scene but it just it just fits Detroit I feel like or at least this version of Detroit where when the guy when Skank gets hit by a car and the guy gets out he starts beating the shit out of the guy he just hit in the car for damaging his car <laughs> not are you all right man you start hitting him like come on <laughs> made me laugh yeah <laughs> I just I like this dirty city I like this violent Detroit that they have I did they say it's Detroit they said Detroit okay yeah. I didn't catch that until YouTube told me. Plus, Devil's Night is a very Detroit thing. Is it? That oh, I, yeah. I think it's that, cool that it that it's on Devil's Night because that isn't that supposed. Isn't trying to think of what word I want to use, but isn't that supposed to be like when the day that the the veil between life and death is the thinnest or something? Right? Technically, yes. Okay, I believe. So I, I like that idea. I thought this whole movie was going to take place in one night. I think it takes place in two nights. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like forty eight hours, I suppose. Yeah. Has anyone here ever been to Detroit? Uh no. I played Detroit Become Human. Does that? Count? No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I've been to Detroit. I I've been to Detroit. Maybe God's gonna be like fifteen years now. Very long time. Not much reason to go. At least fifteen years ago. It's a uh, at least at the time. I don't know if it's gotten better, but it's it, it is a very rough city. It's it is not a the most terribly pleasant place. It could have changed. Who knows? I don't know. And there's not you can't even like escape to Canada because the closest place in Canada is Windsor. And Windsor, Canada is just the Detroit of Canada, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not even like you can like, all right, let's go to Canada and go, go across the uh, across the river. No, no, no. It's, it's all still not great. Again, only... this is as of 15 years ago. It could have changed. I don't know. But Detroit <laughs> is. Um, yeah, I spent a weekend in Detroit once. It was a for very strange. I was in the area for work. I was working in Ann Arbor and I spent like the week. Actually, no, was it a day? I think I just spent like a day and uh, I can't go into who I was spending that time with. It was a very <laughs> strange story that I would take way too, too, way too long to tell. <laughs> well, but, but uh, it, it was a very, it's a very sad city. It's, it's a rough city. Like it, it's yeah. one of those cities where, you know, and I, this is not to malign cities like that. You know, unfortunately, people live places. I grew up right outside of Newark, New Jersey. You should not visit New Newark either. Newark is not fun at all. <laughs> I grew up three three streets down from it. So 
but it's one of those you take the wrong turn down the wrong street and you could have a problem. It's as from my experience, at least 15 years ago. And again, it could have gentrified and changed. I don't know. Comments away. Tell me to visit Detroit. But I just know that there was a guy I worked with at Sam's Club who was a kid and grew up in Detroit. And he was telling me when he was 13, he was a he was a he was a doorman for two ladies of the night. So and this guy was been probably in the like 50s when I knew him back in mid 2000s. So <laughs> that should kind of give an idea what Detroit was like at one point. So not the fact that he's working for, you know, for ladies of the night. The fact that he was a guard at 13 years old. That's the part that got me. So, yeah, that's <laughs> double sign is pretty much been around Detroit since like the 30s and 40s. OK, but by the 70s. That is when the arson started. Oh, that's a real thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that had some more interesting to the movie. I thought that was just because the thing they talk about in this movie is that Devil's Night, they do all, the gang is doing this arson. I didn't realize that's based on a real event that people do that. Oh, yeah. People have done it for decades. Like, it's starting to die out now, finally. Good. But, <laughs> like, yeah, it's very much, very much a Detroit thing. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I grew up in Milwaukee, like, so I kind of, and Milwaukee had areas that were, that I'm guessing was how Detroit was like, because parts oh, of no. Milwaukee were very industrial at one time and are not. Oh, no. I know Milwaukee's gotten better since I grew up there, but. Even, even that is lowest Milwaukee was never as. No, I know, but that's the yeah. closest thing I can think of. Like, to yeah. what? Because, Ken, you're not from Milwaukee, but I know you're near the area. You were... I spend a lot of time in Milwaukee. Okay. So, like, I, I know Milwaukee pretty well. Okay, I know you're close. I figured you did either way. I, I left when I was 18 and never never looked back, so. Yeah. I, I don't like the city. That's, <laughs> it's fair. I really don't like that place. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah, like, Devil's Night is very much rooted in fact. And the fact that this movie uses that to frame the actions of Top Dollar and his gang, I think is pretty clever. Same. I didn't realize the real thing. That's really cool. It gives the story more of a realism to it, which oddly enough also helps the fantasy aspects of it feel better. At least in my opinion. It, it felt like a realistic comic book movie. As weird as that sentence sounds, it felt like something that made sense and could have happened. It is. It is. And I firmly believe that people should talk about this in the same breath as Deadpool. Because Brandon Lee, when he was cast, he was a huge fan of the comic book. And he is hmm. responsible for a lot of the things staying as close to the comic book as they were. Like, there's oh. entire monologues lifted right from the comic book. So I know That's that cool. there's another two more movies. Can you vouch if they're good or not, Ken? Uh, they definitely exist. There's actually three movies. Yes. Crow City of Angels, Crow Salvation, and The Crow Wicked Prayer. I have seen all of them, and they exist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The fact that That's, he's not pushing it like he's pushing me to do Hellraiser 2 at some point should give you all that you need to know. Hellraiser's like, we need to do more Hellraiser. This he's like, they exist. And that's it. There's your answer. Hey, hey Hell, Hellraiser 2, even though I don't like the Hellraiser movies, Hellraiser 1 and 2 are pretty good movies. Yeah, go listen to the Hellraiser episode where I was unhappy. I did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was unhappy. Of the sequels, City of Angels is the best one. It's also bizarre. It's the most art house one of them and it's it's cool but it's it's not this nothing that, is this that's like asking me which one of these random knives do i want to be stabbed with they're all equally <laughs> rusty but this one's less rusty <laughs> it's like how do you want to cut off your finger joe do you want to use the pliers do you want to put the put the thing in the fire first to burn it like as a fucked up callback mike you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, heavy rain there for people that are confused <sighs> This is what you maybe think of. So, 
No, I mean, I can't believe that there's sequels to this movie. I never knew this movie had sequels. I mean, not really, you know, well, part of the curl. Like, I didn't realize how big of this is. They're not direct sequels. Two sounds like it kind of is. It's not. They're all completely different people. None of them are Eric Draven. No, now, but it sounds like there's a repeat character from one and two. There that. is. Sarah is grown up in the second movie. That's what and that's what I saw. I got my interest. Yeah, and it's it's weird. Okay. Like, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I remember that's the one that I hated the least out of all of them. <laughs> and I have the soundtracks for all of them. The soundtracks get progressively worse as they go on. That's a shame. It is. Because I will hold this movie soundtrack up as one of the best uh, commercially released soundtracks. So the person that convinced 13 people to vote for it. Yes, I would agree. There's no question. Yeah. It's it's just, it's such a slice in 94. (laughs) Mm. It really does. Yeah. I really like movies that have just music that just over it's just there for different scenes and that and there's no and that's just what you get you just get the song that's just i really like that and i i, I feel like that doesn't happen as much anymore but i really no. like having movies do that no it really doesn't you haven't like i don't know maybe it's just music not being as interesting these days or nobody wanting to pay for the rights for licensed the, songs the more other part that they don't want to pay yeah which well, is also, sad yeah well the the director uh, Alex Proyas. We didn't really even talk about the director much. No, we haven't yet. A, no, really... I was going to save that. <laughs> oh, where, where are you now? <laughs> oh, yeah. Ken, would you like to please? I, I'm. I'll, I'll, the floor is yours if you're prepared. No, you already started this. I'm just going to jump in when I can. <laughs> Fair I enough. already know I, what movie you're going to mention, but I look forward to hearing it. Well, no, so. I didn't. I, I haven't seen any of his other movies, to be perfectly honest. I've not seen. I've seen I know. One. I know Gods of Egypt is supposedly one of the worst movies ever ever made I, I as people Golden say raspberry awards oh, i see is that what it, yeah. i've heard that's been pretty terrible i did not see i robot he saw it most did dark city but he also was a music video director before that was his main gig was music video direction before he did this movie so yep. um it's not surprising that the music in this movie works and seems very well integrated into the into the action into what's going on so it makes perfect sense yeah and while this wasn't his like big directorial debut. This was one of the first major releases that he did. And he did follow this up with one of the best science fiction movies ever made. Dark city. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Dark city is such a treat. And all right. It looks like it's very similar looking to this, like in terms of the set, like kind of dark, but it's more of a, this is more of an industrial tinged romance where Dark City is more noir based. Ah, it's just it's a joy. It, and it's on I the will, list of potential to do. Thank for God, you suggested it back when I first put up the Discord to say suggest things, and it's yep. on a list that I just too fucking too many too many ideas. <laughs> I think we start pushing for it now. So, <laughs> hey listeners. If you're like your Uncle Ken Sanity here and you want to hear Dark City, <laughs> let us know. Join that, Discord. When, when is this coming out? This coming out in, in April? No, this is coming out in a couple days. Oh, perfect. Oh, okay. I thought oh, for some reason I thought this was coming out. Closer. I mean, that's fair. I am Maybe way ahead just... on some stuff. So some stuff will be recording. Hey, I recorded something last week that's coming out in May. So trust me. Yeah, no, it's I. I that's why I I'm never trying know. to slow down. I never know the timeline, but the if, if you if you want to, then we could just make March like you know more abundant March, or make it themed, and we'll just watch all like this, or we can do you know like uh, I don't know, you know, I'm trying to think of some depressing word. 
angsty April. Angsty April. That would be perfect. I don't know if that city is they angsty, but you think angsty oh, April would be great. I like oh, it's April. I like the idea, but I'd have to plan like way in advance or something like that. So, uh, but I like the idea. I haven't done it. I can't do any theme theme really months other than Spooktober. I've I've had ideas, but it's never I can never make it happen. Ooh, depressing December. <laughs> hey, I have enough depressing when it comes to all the Spooktober shit I have I record, so I don't Morbid need more. May. Morbid May. Morbid May. Mm. Morbid May. <laughs> Look what, what road we're going down here. But no, I do yeah. want to see Dark City. You had my iRobot is a good movie. I don't know if I, I like that. Well, I haven't seen iRobot in fucking years, but I remember I liked it when I saw it. I, I liked iRobot. Robot. I thought iRobot was really well directed. There is one scene from Gods of Egypt that I like, and it's only like in reference to an object. I haven't seen Gods of Egypt yet, but I got a funny feeling it looks good. It looks good. It because... does. I mean, it has like big actors in the poster. Like, it looks cool. I'm, like, it had my attention until I saw that. It, yeah. <laughs> Other things uh, yes. about it. Like, oh. The, the Gods of Egypt, this white guy, and that other white guy. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's America. We like to whitewash our things. I get it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's a part in the movie where I don't, I've never seen jack shit from this fucking movie. I think I walked by <laughs> while like my brother-in-law was watching it. And it's like they're like talking to the king and he's like, oh, I have I have my brother's sword. My name's on this sword and my name's on the sword you get. My my name's on the sword you gave my brother and my brother's name's on the sword you gave me. So let's switch. And the dad's like, no, no, no. That was the point. So you, you all would both have a piece of each other where you go. And I'm like, that's a cute way to make knives for your kids or your <laughs> <laughs> things like that. So I thought that was pretty cool. But other than that, I haven't seen jack shit for that movie. I just heard it's bad. I just know I'm curious after seeing this, the director that did this. I, I was curious. That's about as far as it went. <laughs> there was no me planning anything. It was like, oh, that's curious. <laughs> oh, man, I, I think I'm going to watch this. So like Gods of Egypt. Yeah. Oh. All right. Okay. Anyway. This movie rains a lot in this movie, too, which I guess was oh. actually realistic. It was raining a lot, a lot where they were. Lot or snowing a lot where they were, because there was a hurricane during the filming of this movie. Yeah, they were in North Carolina, I Yeah, think? during North the Carolina. storm of the centuries, it was called at the time. Yeah. Bill, Bill, didn't you say you went to Detroit? Did it rain when you were there? No, it was overcast and, and cloudy and sad. It was just very oh. sad. I <laughs> <laughs> like Detroit, I think. Cloudy with a case of sad. So that was true then. It can't rain all the time. Nice. <laughs> it cannot rain all the time. It really can't. That would be a problem. <laughs> it's called flooding. <laughs> <sighs> I used to live in a basement that flooded. Oh, I hated. I hated. Oh, that sounds so awful. It was. Hang on a second. Let's, let's let's take a. We've taken a few side roads this episode already. Let's take one more. I know you used to live in a basement. Uh, this is this is the famous basement where you you didn't have a stove. And it, it yes. was, you were literally like squatting, essentially, but paying. That's what it felt like. Some... No, hey, we had a microwave, sir. And I had a pizza turner table thing at later on. So a pizza turner table and a well, microwave. It's like a pizza. I don't know what the hell they call it, but you could put a frozen pizza on it and it cooks. It it's called the pizzazz oven, Mike. Well, hang on a second. This is not all these. All these words are lies right now. Let's, I mean, and I didn't have a door for the for the bathroom. We just had a shower curtain. Uh, oh. Yeah. See, Mike, Michael, Mike's lives in some some rough, some rough situations. He's had. He's had some Detroit in his life, and I didn't realize this place flooded, too. This was a basement apartment that flooded. It flooded a couple times because the owner of the house, when she put down the patio bricks in one area, she made them completely all flat. Well, guess where the water went? Down to the ground. So, yeah, we fixed it after two floods. Thank, two floods. Th thank you for telling me what a pizzazz is, Ken. I will now go buy one. They're good. You're welcome. 
They are really good, Ashley. <laughs> but no, it was a, it was. I mean, I was thankful to have a place to live, but it wasn't. It was a bad. Yeah. <laughs> I just I've heard I've heard stories of this apartment and it always tickles me every time I hear it. I didn't a, a new a new layer has it's been called renting from family. That's what that's what it's called. Yeah, I mean they weren't family, but they were family to me at the time. And yeah, but that that's what that's called. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, never nope. Hey, when you're when you're broke and depending on your situation, you live wherever you have to. Listen, <laughs> listen, I listen. <laughs> yup. Oh, it's just, it's just funny when I think back about it, because like I me mean, earlier on when I met Tiff and I was like, wow, 10 years ago I was living here and my life was shit. Now I'm like, everything is better. It's like, it's weird how, or even five years, like how much stuff can change. Yeah. So yeah, so look, I, now I you're actually watching movies and paying attention to them. Right. Amazing. Not just, hey, I, did for, I watched this movie in three sittings because busy, but I paid attention to it. There, might right. have been a, there was no snap going on, Ashley. If you can believe that there was no snap during this movie. And that's how you know it's good, audience. <laughs> if you can put down snap. How well, I was it? taking notes. That's why there was no snap, to be honest. So, <laughs> but the movie was good. Okay, I take that back. Blair Witch. I was taking notes and Marvel Snap because I was so bored. So yes, <laughs> uh, Blair Witch is pretty boring. That's fair. Yes, yes, it is. Check out that episode. <laughs> <laughs> All of you. <laughs> I was very upset. Uh, oh, I do want to talk about something like because we, we talk about most things in the movie, but like I do like the shootouts when he when he fights all the guys at the table near the end. Oh I, yeah, that is such a good scene where he's like, I just want to kill one guy, and he just kills everybody to get there. Yep, he just wanted to kill Skank. That's all he wanted to do, and he even said it. Yeah, just him. All of you are fine. I just want him. It's, no, it, so all well done. You just watch him just getting filled with bullets, but it doesn't affect him because he's undead essentially. Yeah. So I know it also sounds really goofy. But like it, it, it's a thing of like, what is it like the train of thought of like how you think stuff is badass. I saw that scene and immediately went, this reminds me of that scene from Red Hood where he tells everyone he's their boss now and they better <laughs> listen to him. And I'm like, that's why I'm like this. That makes a lot more sense now. Thank you, The Crow. <laughs> uh, there's some really good action scenes in this movie. That's one of them. That freaking fight on the roof, the end fight. That was really well done. And like, I love the fact that he beats the villain by giving him the pain that his that he went through after he was thrown out the window. And then that makes the guy fall off and get plunged and get just the word I want here. Oh, no, that it was worse than that. Like, it was was the pain that Shelly went through for 36 hours that Albrecht was there for. Oh, okay. Oh, when she was having surgery and everything. Yeah, when she was like okay. dying and Albrecht was waiting for her, like all that pain he had from. Okay, he... I didn't catch that. Okay, that's that's even better. Yeah, it did the mind meld with um, Albrecht, <laughs> and then he just gives it back to him. Be like, "Fuck you! I don't want this. You take it." And then he does. That was good. And how much of a hot topic way is it to go? To fall off a roof and get impaled on the sharp horns of a gargoyle. So dope. <laughs> so good. Oh, I mean, how so love, wonderful. That's so fun and good. And I think his face is all screwed up, too, because he, not only is he injecting the memories, but he's injecting the pain of all those 30 hours of pain in one moment is kind of the mm. idea. I think it actually like screws his face up a little bit. He's go, It's really very effective and very fun. Well done. And he's bleeding out of the mouth of the gargoyle, so it's even better. Oh, of course, because it's a, gar- <laughs> it's, a, it's a gargoyle that's also a water vent, and that's you know, a water pipe or whatever you want to call it. And it's, it looked like it was practical effects, too. Sure it was. And and then the part before that, he took out a knife, and he says, that puts a smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, 
I suppose we should probably talk about how you seem to think that this is the most Joker-ass movie since the Joker. Oh, I've never seen the Joker, but this hit the Brandon Lee's performance of The Crow, which is before, is very much reminiscent of, like, the Joker from Dark Knight Rises turns. Whatever. Yep. Not the goofy voice, but he's definitely having fun with it. Yeah, like, he's it... enjoying his revenge. Ooh, wouldn't that be fun if the Joker actually was the a crow? <laughs> I'd, watch, I'd watch that. Makeup's even similar. I like the makeup. I like how they always are insulting him about the makeup, too. I thought that was mm-hmm. good. Oh, we didn't talk about the best line in the movie. <laughs> but After Albrecht uh, runs into him outside the pawn shop, and he's like, oh, great. Guy looks like a mime from hell, and you lost him out in the open. Well, <laughs> at least he didn't do that walking against the wind shit. I hate that. <laughs> that was a good line. Oh, oh, yeah. So good. I remember watching that in the theater, and it was like me and two people in the theater, but we all laughed. I actually saw when I was Googling stuff for this movie before we recorded, it actually was playing near me in an Alamo draft house somewhere. This was like oh. randomly one night. I'm like, oh, that's be- this would have been cool to see in theaters. I'd go see it. It, for it sure. was great. I know we're kind of wrapping up here, so I feel like I do have to mention that uh, The Crow is getting a 4K release Mm. for its 30th anniversary. I already have my pre-order in for the Steelbook. It looks great. Very nice. Very nice. But will you get it in time? Because I know the Hellraiser one you didn't get for a bit. Well, that was coming from England, so. okay. This one's (laughs) coming from Amazon. Oh, then you'll get it very quickly. Yeah. I get one day shipping because I live so close to an Amazon distribution place. I think I do, too. I get really good shipping with Amazon. I love Amazon. I don't, but they had the best looking steelbook. Everybody else is like the other cases were. eh, And then the other steelbook I found looked kind of hacky. The Amazon steelbook looked the best, in my opinion. That's the (laughs) only reason I bought it from Amazon. One thing that I really like as a as a back feature movie too or back 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 movie backstage whatever you call it back behind the scenes there we go is uh, apparently they said they had brandon lee put on the makeup before he went to bed and then woke up to shoot the next day because they liked the they liked it more whenever he put it on himself and then he like wore it for a while because apparently they tried to put it on before like the scene started and it looked too caked on it made it look weird hmm that's cool. I, I actually yeah. noticed that. I actually noticed that watching it. I was like, I feel like the the paint, the makeup is actually wearing at wear, not wearing away, but yeah, maybe wearing away as the movie goes on. So like that that sound that sounds intentional. That's really cool. It really for me gave a sense of time and space. Like it was like wearing away as he was going on his uh on his uh on his journey of vengeance. Yeah. yeah. More importantly, it looked like he was wearing actual makeup that he would have in the apartment. Yeah. Yep. Rather yeah. than, you know, fancy theatrical movie makeup. <laughs> yeah, it was just really just, you know, the white, you know, paint. And yeah, it was really very, again, very well done. And again, it lends itself to this movie being this beautiful marriage of a real, something very grounded in, in something that feels very real. And this comic book idea of a, of a person coming back to life with the, the, the hang, from, thanks to a crow, you know, like going on this vengeance <laughs> spree. It's. Again, it's things like that that I think that really made this movie work because, again, they had to do so much with so relatively so little, you know, so they had to, hey, let's leave, makeup, leave the makeup on. Why not? We're going to take those kind of risks. And I think that's why I really appreciate this movie on a different level this time around than I did um, probably in previous viewings. If there's any justice, anybody listening to the show will go out and watch this movie if you haven't seen it in a while or watch it for the first time. and just. 
enjoy it. It's also it's, streaming on a lot of different things currently. I know it's so, on Prime. It's on Paramount. That's how I watched it. Like Same. it was nice. It wasn't just like hidden because there's some stuff I try to. It's weird. There's so much stuff published by WB that I just can't find anywhere, and I pay for Max. So weird shit. how that happens now. It is funny that it was on Paramount because Paramount wasn't going to release it, and they ended up selling the rights to Miramax. <laughs> okay, that is kind of funny. Yeah, just unfair. Well, Paramount's decent. Max is garbage right now because fucking. Well, Mac, Warner Brothers is garbage, but yeah, they need to get rid of that CEO. So that's what they need to do. Yeah. When they're uh, when you're when you're idea to make money is we're just going to can all the projects that we started so we can just make tax breaks. That's, that's not a good idea. So shitty idea. Fucking WB. But all right, any less to say about this movie or should we go on to shelf stacker box? I think I got everything I needed to say out of the way. So same here. Good deal. Okay. Well, let's go to shelf stacker box and Joe, what about you? It's pretty much going on the shelf. I haven't seen this movie in forever. And I want to say it's like, besides me watching it as a kid, I remember a lot of like people in, when I was in high school, a a lot of my friend group was like, oh, yeah, have you seen The Crow? And I was just kind of like, yeah, I remember The Crow. It's whatever. Rewatching it now, I watch it and be like, oh, this is why I'm the way that I am. <laughs> I I am all of me. So I, I liked it a lot. And I actually I watched it by myself because no one, everyone worked all night this week or had something to do. And then I watched it again so I can recap it. But I think I might, you know, watch it again at some point because uh, I need something to watch with my roommate every like tuesday or wednesday so i'll probably watch this again at some point this week it's worth it it's a decent film and what about you bill uh i'm gonna put this on the shelf as well i i was very surprised how much i liked it if, walking into this if you had asked me what i thought of it i would have probably been like yeah this is a this is a stack movie i like the crow it's fine but for some reason i think the earnestness in which it was made and how much real genuine care and craft was made was was taken to make this movie uh, really cements it as a as a pretty much a classic for me. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I could definitely see myself seeing it, just popping it on again in a few months, just to kind of go through the world again. Uh, Brandon Lee was going to be a star after this. Like the, he was going to yeah. be a star after this, and unfortunately, you know the reality of that of what happened obviously prevented that. But it's it's really cool to see someone have that star making turn. And then just kind of reflect me like, yeah, dang, unfortunately, it just wasn't meant to be. But um, all in all, this is great. And the soundtrack is, is is banger. It made me feel like I was 15, 16 again. Just listening to Nine Inch Nails on tapes that I taped from friends off of CDs and then had the wrong labels on. So my mom didn't see it and pop it in. And listen. <laughs> yes, I totally did that. Are you kidding? Of course I did. Yo, this is not Garth Brooks's latest album, Mom. This is Nine Inch Nails and... Marilyn Manson and KMFDM, like this, that's what this is. So yeah, no, this is a this is an absolute shelf for me, and I'm glad this podcast uh, had me watch this again. It was great. You mean you didn't want to have her like you didn't want her popping the CD and like this isn't Thunder Rolls? My, my my one time, I'll just tell it real quick. My I had a, I borrowed the Downward Spiral from a friend of mine, and I had it, and I was listening to it so much. But I I made the rookie mistake of keeping the album cover out. My mom found the album cover, which of course has all the lyrics. So my mom was thumbed through the lyrics of the, and of course hit upon a few salty references in the in in Nine Inch Nails is uh, the Downward Spiral. And I was told, return this to your friend, and if I ever see this in this house again, I'm snapping the disc in half. <laughs> so what I did was I taped it, put recorded a tape, put it on tape. You know, I did a old dubbed it to a tape and I labeled it something. I just been a blank tape. I don't think I had anything on. I think I had like a star that indicated to me what it was, you know, like this foreboding, foreboding piece yeah. of music. 
and it was just in the collection of mixtapes. I'd love to see if I still still buried in my mom's basement, which is a, a tomb of of nostalgia. But uh, yeah, that's uh, yes, I totally did that. Okay, I'll go next. Uh, two things I forgot to mention. We forgot to mention that I'm watching a movie that I want to. Is the reason why he why Top Dollar captures the girl is so he can he thinks he can take the power away from Eric Draven and be, get the power himself, which leads to their final conflict. And then the other part, the very ending of this movie is when Eric Draven goes back to the tombstone after he kills them. Shelly comes to greet him in the afterlife. It's a really fitting end. Really sweet. So I'm going to put this movie on the shelf. I came into it with no expectations. I'm like, all right, we'll see what we think. And I really had a good time. I've actually been watching this while I've been recording and enjoying it again. Like, it's just a good movie. And kind of bummed it took me three years to watch it finally like i'm surprised but i'm glad i saw it so go on the show and what about you mr ken i can quote this movie from memory it's on the shelf <laughs> <laughs> not that surprised <laughs> this movie does really fit the 90s goth you know, oh, yeah. like and i love that i love sandman is like what you know sam is 80s 90s and i mean same you know famine they're yeah. one of those things that really like hits that like this and sandman and uh, Edward Scissorhands, like the early Tim Burton stuff, like they're all very much rooted in that, you know, late 80s, early 90s goth aesthetic. And uh, it's something that Hot Topic used to specialize in, but not anymore because they suck now. Hey, I go to Hot Topic <laughs> every time I have them all and I yeah. even buy something there. It just comes right. in a little it's square box. Pops. Is it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Here's the story, kids. Hot Topic used to look like a goddamn dungeon. Yeah, it did. And you could actually buy cool things there. You There weren't Machine Gun Kelly shirts. There were shirts for The Crow and Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson. And there was a bunch of piercing jewelry and things that your parents would be terrified of. And it was a great store. A great store. Now it's gone. Many, many a chain wallet was purchased from Hot Topic. Many a, from there. many a compilation CD of music. The five dollar comps were purchased. Wait, they used to sell CDs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. I, used to, I used to go and get. They used to have lots of great. I used to get all my punkaramas. All those uh, like I used to get all the um, the Hellcat record compilations from there. Yeah, totally. And they were like three bucks, and you get twenty five songs, twenty of which were terrible, but five were good. Hey, yeah. not a bad pull rate. I yes. never went into Hot Topic when I was younger because I was like, I can't well, go in there. Lots of Hot Topic. I was, yeah. And and Nightmare Before Christmas stuff before Target made a section out of it. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually Ooh, cool to be weird. a fan. It was actually used to be really cool to be a fan of Nightmare Before Christmas. That was a real like underground thing, like to have a uh, <laughs> Jack yeah. Skellington shirt. Not yeah. anymore. No, that that what started it, I think. And everybody started going there for the Nightmare Before Christmas merch. I think that turned the corner. But it died when, for a while, and then it came back. Yeah, we're not here to do a moratorium on Hot Topic as much can, as I can. Though I mean, this is the end of the show, and it, is, it definitely ties in. I mean, we can't do a moratorium. You know, actually, awesome. it does because yeah. I bought a thermal from hot topic back when it was the dungeon and it had the logo for the crow on it and i still have that thermal shirt nice. i and there still are, wear that thermal shirt there are crow funko pops too by the way oh i know oh, shit really there's yep. like yeah there's a couple so the only way i would buy one is if one of, if the creator was going to be at a convention that i was going to then i could see myself doing it i wouldn't do that he doesn't really have the best feelings about this movie Oh, as usual. 
like all the money he got from this. Like he loves he loved the movie, but he's so upset about Brandon Lee's death. Makes Most sense. of the money he had, he gave to charity. Oh wow. yeah. And didn't tell anybody about it till like years later. Makes sense. I mean, it's got to be so hard because you feel like you're, you know, it's part of your your fault for this guy's death that shouldn't have happened. Well, like he was he had met Brandon Lee and was like, yeah, I don't know. He saw Big Showdown in Little Tokyo. He was like, I don't know if this guy's right. But then he actually met him and they became friends. And he was like, oh, yeah, no, he is Eric Draven. And like they worked together on this movie. And then to have Brandon Lee pass in that way, like I could see that ruining this movie for you forever yeah and you know and this movie's so social like that's all i knew about this movie beforehand was the fact that the actor died and the comic book came from a death too edward obar's fiance died in a car wreck and this was him coping with that so i get it it makes the movie all the more tragic yeah it really does i mean i get that though like when you know something bad happens to you and you go into your art because that's you know that makes some great art doing that too yeah. Fortunately. So. So very happy to end this on a happy upbeat note. You did. Yeah. As always. Hey, I can end it on a happy upbeat. I was thinking, so I'm rewatching this movie. Did you notice that when when Eric Drake when Ernie Hudson first shows up at the church, did you know how many guns he's holding, Ken? I did not know. Oh, he got two guns, bitch. Son of a bitch. And so did uh, <laughs> Top Dollar. He had two guns also. So. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <sighs> so. All right, <laughs> walked right into that one. Yeah, hey, yes. you did. I wasn't gonna do it. I'm like, oh, he's on a we're on a sad note. You're like, we don't want to. And then you made that comment. I was like, all right, you open the door, and I will jump in. And <laughs> Bill, where can people find you at? Well, do you know what's not sad? Final You're Fantasy. <laughs> oh, well, actually, actually, well, some. Well, well, depends. Uh, my my podcast also sometimes get sad. So you know what? You're just doomed to a life of misery if you listen to a gamer looks at forty. Uh, it is returning on March. Fourth, yep, March fourth is the triumphant return. So two nice. like a week from from Monday. Damn, I'm probably finished the first episode. <laughs> oh, really, I got some work to do. Um, yeah, plenty of time. I over the last uh, two months since since the first of the year, I've conducted twenty two interviews, Damn. <laughs> and most of that is for just the first few episodes of this series on Final Fantasy. I'm embarking on. If you like Final Fantasy, seriously, this is where you got to be for the next three or four months. If you don't like Final Fantasy, well, Mike Alberton does nothing but podcast constantly. Listen to this show or others. A few but Final the, Fantasy, but not a lot. Yeah, but there's a there's a uh, there's a uh, there's also going to be Tales from the Bargain Bin returning and some other stuff in there as well. Some a couple of really cool episodes of Final Fantasy related stuff. I am looking forward to sharing and I'm not announcing just yet, but uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, Gamer looks at 40.com. I have a website now. Makes it so easy. Whoa. I know. Yes. A modern website. It looks See, I'm like too cheap for that. It looks like <laughs> garbage. I have no idea what I'm doing with this stupid thing. It's, it's like basically podcast template number five. And I, <laughs> I just put things in there, but the best part about it is there is a section for the full series, there's playlists of the full series. So if you want to nice. listen to the entire Zelda series or you want to listen to the entire Earthbound series, you can now go to one place and just get that playlist. So you don't have to roam around and root through a uh, hundred or so episodes on your pod player. So uh, a gamer looks at really 40.com. Cool. Hey, your website looks cool, sir. I'm looking at it right it's now. Fine. So. It's fine. I mean, hey, it's something. You have a website. I mean, I have Podbean that hosts it and I get a website through them, but it's not mine. <laughs> I don't want to build one. So. There's that too un, un, unknown and don't want to learn how to do it. So 
All right. If you enjoyed this episode, there are over 600 other, well, maybe not yet, 550 other episodes of this podcast. You can find everything we do on Podbean. Go in and search. Type in random shit. You never know what you might find. Type in the thing. You'll find an episode. Some other random shit we've done. Blade Runner. You'll find both of those great freaking movies. So go type in those. Uh, we do video games, movies, comics, whatever the hell people convince me to talk about or I convince people to talk about. So check out our giant catalog. If you want to support the show, we do a Patreon. Like where this episode came from. Those are you can vote in our Patreon poll. We have one every, we have one or two every month, so you get to affect the show. And you want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro courtesy of Helena at Hell Hasfree. Follow her on TikTok, Instagram, Twitch. Uh, you'll see the link in the show notes to her link tree. Also check out Nintendo Main Podcast, Nomads of Fantasy. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Threads, YouTube, TikTok. So that's where you can find us. I think that's everything I need to say, so we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Ah, yeah. Come on.